When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On today's Best of Coaching Coordinator episode, I share the insight of 10 coaches on teaching the game. Teaching and learning are something I continue to study because I feel it is such an important part of our profession and it's what makes our schemes and diagrams come to life. Or as Coach Bob Wiley has reminded us plenty of times on the podcast, as the great Paul Brown used to say, it is about getting it from the chalkboard to the grass. So let's start with a philosophy. Before I became a head coach, I started to organize my thoughts and beliefs to develop my own coaching philosophy. And rather than recreate the wheel, I used my research and adapted the beliefs of great coaches that meshed with mine. One of the philosophies I included in my coach's manual was something that Joe Paterno wrote. A coach, above all other duties, is a teacher. Coaches have the same obligation as teachers, except that we may have more moral and life-shaping influence over our players than anyone else outside of their families. When a player comes from a family that is not strong, our influence may become foremost. The best teacher is not only the person who has the most knowledge, but the one who has his knowledge best organized and knows how to state it in different ways. If a student doesn't get it when you teach it one way, you've got to teach it another way. Another important rule is that a coach must not waste his player's time. Each coach has to have his area of practice organized for maximum efficiency. The practice should be organized in a way that each player gets maximum coaching time. Players learn by doing. So it's important to coach on the run rather than stopping progress to correct one individual. We must not waste a moment. Time is our enemy. So there's other things that coach included, but... At the heart of coaching is teaching were those things that I shared there. And so today we kick off things with DJ Elliott, who is the defensive coordinator now at Temple. And in this segment, he addresses that idea of time is our enemy. And as DJ calls it, it's a race against time. He shares all the details that they put together, how they coach it, and how language comes into play in this segment. Well, the first thing that you need to understand is that players don't do what you tell them to do. They do what you train them to do. And you need to define every skill that a player needs for every call or for every situation. And as a defensive staff, we put together the playbook, then we put together what's called our position pages. And within our position pages, we sit down with every call and every situation, and we write down every skill that that player needs to be successful. And then once you define the skill, you need to have a drill that fits that skill. So then once we have all our skills defined, we go through and we, and we develop a drill that fits every skill. We make sure that we have a drill that accurately fits every skill, but 
the most important piece, like you mentioned, is is the time. You know, practice is just a race against time, and you're constantly trying to find places that you can work those drills because those are what develop the player's skills to being successful, whether it's pre-practice, post-practice, special teams, walkthroughs, individual. And you need to be really detailed in your individual too. You need to make sure that you're getting the most out of your individual. And as a coaching staff, we harp on that before we even hit the field. We make sure that we're using the proper buzzwords in our meeting rooms. We make sure that we're all on the same page on exactly how we're going to coach each technique. And there's many techniques that apply to the whole defense. And we practice those in what we call team drills. For example, tackling, uh, takeaways, uh, pursuit, interception drill, screen drill, blitz circuit. We have the same coaching points for each position within those team drills. And we take five minutes every day to work one of those team drills. We go through our blitz circuit. We don't even tell the players which blitz we're running. We just tell them which blitz technique they're running. And we'll work it to all different types of schemes. We'll work it to a a slide protection, to a man protection. We'll work it versus option. We'll work it versus zone two, zone away. We'll work it versus gap scheme to gap away we work it versus boot or reverse or, or quarterback throwback. And we'll mix up which schemes that we're going to work on each particular day within the blitz circuit. But what you've done is you've trained every player on how to execute that blitz technique within that blitz circuit. And so all they have to know is their technique. And once they learn that technique, you can call multiple pressures because they've executed that technique to every different type of scenario. You know, another one that we've implemented is screens. So each player within a screen has a certain fit. We call it the who am I. So the who is the player that fits outside the screen. The am is the guy that fits in the alley. And the I is the guy that's inside the screen. And so we have a drill to where we run a screen and we put each player in a different position and they just know where they fit within that scheme. That screen. They don't have to know the scheme. They don't have to know you know, am I a linebacker or am I a DB right now? They just have to know where they fit on that screen. And that's a team drill. And same thing in tackling. You know, we, we coach all the exact same buzzwords in, in techniques and drills and tackling so that the entire defense understands that. We, we really harp on player development within practice. And player development, like I said, is a race against time. When we sit down after practice and we watch video, we don't criticize a player for making a mistake on something that we told him to do. We criticize a player for making a mistake on something that we trained him to do. So if he makes a mistake and we haven't drilled it, it's not necessarily the player's fault. It's our fault as coaches. Because, again, players don't do what you tell them to do. They do what you train them to do. And so we we really – stay organized and we really put an emphasis on making sure that everything that we're teaching a player is being drilled so that it's muscle memory and so that the player has been put in that situation as multiple times as possible within a drill not just in a team setting within a drill so that he can be successful 
defensive passing game coordinator and defensive backs coach for the Cleveland Browns, Jeff Howard, understands how important it is to get inside your players' shoes and understand things from their perspective. And he builds his teaching around that idea. He shares his insight here. I think it's so much more than scheme. Being intentional with your actions, giving giving those guys a voice, coaches and players, making sure the vibe of the room and in my room isn't like dictator, like talking down to you, probably the way that we were taught to as we were growing up. But it's more kind of being inclusive, like trying to have a conversation. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm not on the field. <laughs> my guys are on the field. So I need them to be able to own all the information that I'm giving to them. And to do that, we need to conversate. They need to be able to process it. But I need to, to know that they understand it. And so if they can have those, those things in their mind in the classroom, then I think you can be able to go out on the field and get them accomplished. But teaching is so infinitely important. But teaching isn't just, hey, here's the information. You digest it. It's how can I find ways to help you digest that information? How can you, how can I package it? How can I organize it? How can I communicate it in a way that you can effectively put it in your, in your mind and be able to go out there and execute it. So empathy, you know, something else, I think being able to coach with your players perspective in mind, especially when they're out on the field is so important. Like go through the process of, okay, where am, where's my alignment or my eyes. And then what are the reactions that I'm supposed to meet? And then how do you fit amongst the other players? Like in the back end, we got five guys playing on the field the majority of the time, maybe six. How do those pieces work together? How does one position see, you know, a route one way? Is it Does that work with how the, the other players see in that route as well? But being able to work as a cohesive unit, I think, you know, it starts in the classroom and, and it starts with that culture and, and it starts with uh, having a room that, you know, guys that were having those conversations. I think that's, that's important to that. Dan Carroll is now the defensive coordinator for the USFL Michigan Panthers. Earlier in his career, he spent time at the Ohio State University and was impacted by how they taught the game there. Something that he learned in teacher education is that you create things with a backward design, beginning with the end in mind and then looking at everything you need to do in that process along the way. He explains the backward design here. If you ask me to list out like the 10 things that are the most important to me or in, in coaching, one of the things that I, I think about every day in coaching and building practice plans and game plans and, and meetings is something I learned in college as a teacher in education to become a, become a teacher, become a health teacher. And that's backward design. And a lot of people, it's got a lot of different terms, but like knowing, start with the end in mind, right? Know where you got to get to. Right. And that's what they teach you in, in college. Like it's about how to build a lesson plan. It's called backward design. Here are the goals and the objectives you have to hit with this lesson. Now from there, how do we walk it back and how do we get there? How do we get from point A? That's point B. Now walk it back to point A and then teach it from A to B. And I think that's just such a simple concept. And everybody that's listening to this will probably be like, yeah, of course. But like, if you really evaluate how you're teaching things and how you're coaching things, are you really setting exact goals and objectives for what you got to get done and then walking it back? And I think that that's such a, such a powerful tool and it's such a simple thing to get good at. But just like so many things in life, 
simple is not easy. Right? It's a simple concept. That don't make that don't mean it's easy, but it is simple. And I think it's so important for guys and coaches to to really look at it through that lens as they build out how they're going to teach things and install things. John Tomlinson, offensive coordinator for the USFL Pittsburgh Maulers, shares his cues and processes that he puts together to get the most out of his teaching and making sure that his quarterbacks learn in the best way. He refers to his process as visual repetitiveness. He explains it here. I'm going to give you two, two words. Uh, visual, and, then, and, and I'll use this other word. It's almost like the two words go together. Visual repetitiveness. All right? And so repetitive is auditory, auditory and it's the visual. And this, this has worked for me in the quarterback room for years, but it's also helped me in the running back room. So when, we, when I break down film, obviously I put a playlist together just like everyone else at every level because I've seen it in XOs when I was working for David Lee when I was with the Browns. I've seen this when I was with Kirby Wilson and I was in the running back room with him in Oakland before they became the Vegas Raiders. And when I was with Frank Wright in Indianapolis, it was the exact same way. Film supported everything, and he always had a plan going in. Each of these guys had a plan going in. This is the film I'm going to show because this is what we're going to focus on this particular day. Whether it was install or addressing an upcoming opponent, and we want to talk about you know how to attack them in, in red zone. So for me, it's the film, and then it's the repetitive cues of, Guys, how do we read this concept? After I teach it and I show it and I repeat my verbal cues, as the meeting progresses, I'm asking them questions that I should already expect to get the answer from because I just said it about maybe 10 times. Mm -hmm. So they've walked out of the meeting and they understand it because they keep hearing it and hearing it and hearing it. The repetitiveness of me saying it as I go through the film, each cut up, but they also see it. And so... And, and I know we had talked about this. From what I've learned, I actually I created a teaching mechanism just for that. One of the things I've seen with young quarterbacks is their inability to understand coverages because there's never a mechanism to help them understand it. Now, while every coach has a great way of teaching it, sometimes the best way to shape them is give them those cues, visual repetitiveness. And so as an app I developed that helps them understand coverages. They learn it first in a classroom, and then as they play the tool, they keep seeing coverages. Now they start to understand the importance of, hey, is it a two-high shell or is it a one-high shell? Or are the safeties inside of 10 yards, which represents this is probably some kind of zero coverage or off-man. And so the same way I develop the tool is the exact same way I teach. And so this, this is, you know, I've been doing this for years. The same thing, visual repetitiveness. Always have the film to show them. Don't get too wordy and just give them those repetitive cues, which usually align around their rules. Mm -hmm. You know, whether it's uh, re-ID and pass pro or if it's being a running back, hey, man, what do we do in jet protection? All right, who, who, what's your assignment here? And I just keep, hey, I got the mic to them. So they hear it all the time. We look at, the, we look at a clip. I, I got my red laser just like everybody else. Hey, I need you to come up here. Show me what Mike and Sam is on this. What what did the center say? What did he ID as the Mike in this particular, you know, uh, pass concept? Boom. He goes up. He points. And that keeps all the other guys away because they're probably saying to themselves, man, he's going to call me. 
Mm-hmm. So I try to make sure I support those two big words all the time, visual repetitiveness and everything I do. It's constantly a repetitive nature, but I, I reinforce it by letting guys in the room be coaches just for a minute. Alex Mirabal, the offensive line coach for the Miami Hurricanes, believes that all of this is much like the classroom and that it starts with a lesson plan. You have to be very detailed in planning out every step in the process whether that's your individual meetings, your walkthroughs, individual time, or things that go into team. And he shares that insight with us here. Well, you got to have a lesson plan, right? As a teacher, as a teacher, I was required to have a lesson plan every day. Every day I was required to have a lesson plan. This is what we're going to cover today. You know, this is, we're going to cover the, the, the three branches of government. Boom. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to start here, right? And by the time the bell rings, I've got to have all this accomplished. Right. Every day I go into a meeting room, I have a lesson plan. You know, I have a lesson plan. Every time I walked out to the practice field in high school, I had these are the drills I'm going to do today. Boom. In this order. Boom. Okay. I've got 14 offensive linemen. We're going to we're going to work two pods, seven and seven. Or I've got 12 offensive linemen. Okay. We're going to work three pods working inside zone combos. How are we going to do that? To me, that's coaching. That's teaching but you better be organized. You know, you can't be doing that on the fly. You know, you can't be doing that on the fly. You got it. So I, I have a lesson plan. I have, I have a, a, a way to, and in, in high school, I used to have to write the lesson plans and you have to hand them in. Right. Well, here, I don't have to write the lesson plans, but I do write them. I don't have to hand them into anybody, but I, but I keep them for myself. Mm-hmm. I'll have a cut up when I go in into the meeting room, I'll have a cut up and the cut up will be in a, in a, in a specific order as to what, why, and how I'm teaching stuff. Right. And then when we go out to the practice field, I've got, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to be organized with it. You know, and I spend more time doing that than, than anything. So those things that I took from the classroom, I use every day, you know, so I create lesson plans every day. I have an objective every day. This is what we're going to do every day. Hey, I've got this many. And that's why I tell the trainer all the time. I tell the trainer, don't tell me. Who, just give me the number. Who, who can't go today? Okay, I don't got 14 guys. Okay, I got 13 guys. How am I going to make these drills efficient with 13 dudes? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it comes with my intensity that you're talking about and stuff like that. I'm very anal about that. I need to know how many guys I got available. Boom. I, I might be pissed off that I only got 10 but I'll figure it out, but it'll now help me set up my drills, right? And we're doing drills, Keith, and boom, we're going to do this drill for five minutes. Boom. I look, I'm looking at, as I'm drilling, I'm looking at the clock. Boom. Five minutes are up. Boom. I'm going to the next drill. I don't care. I don't care how many reps we got or didn't get. Boom. I'm going to the next drill. Boom. And it kind of creates an edge, you know, creates an edge, creates a mentality, creates a sense of urgency for me and our players. When I was a high school coach, I did the same thing. And that was just something that, that I learned from the guys that I, that I was blessed to have, to have been coached by in high school, to have been blessed to have coached alongside in high school. They were real teachers, you know, that were organized and had a purpose and had meaning. And that really stuck with me. And it drives me crazy when I go out to high school practices and I see guys that aren't organized. I see uh, standing around and all that stuff that drives me crazy. And people say, well, it's only high school. Well, BS, because I was a high school teacher, right? But right. When I was a high school teacher, when I was a high school teacher and I was a high school coach, 
you couldn't convince me that I wasn't coaching the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. You couldn't convince me that I wasn't coaching the Miami Hurricanes offensive line. When I'm out there coaching the Miami Hurricanes right now, their offensive line, you can't convince me I'm not coaching the L.A. Rams O-line. You can't convince me I'm not coaching the Dallas Cowboys O-line. You can't convince me that. You can't convince me I'm not coaching the next national championship O-line. Because if you, if you think you're not, then you're not. And I think that that's where my high school stuff all stems from. The detail that you put into it and taking that time. Teaching starts with setting a purpose. Legendary special teams coach in the NFL, Mike Westoff, shared with us how it's so important in your teaching to talk to players in a manner in which you see them becoming. Your players need to be A students, and you have to figure out a way to make it happen. Why we actually do learn. A little philosophy that I like is a, a psychologist named Haim Janot. Haim Janot was, a, was a Israeli, and he dealt mostly with children. And he believed that when you deal with children, if you can teach them and talk to them in a manner to which you see them becoming, their chances of becoming that are tremendously enhanced. So your third grader comes home and he had a tough time in math. And you look at his math test and you let him know that he's kind of a dummy. Well, you're right, because he'll probably end up being a dummy. But you let him know that that's not, that's not at his level. And you find a way to keep bringing him along to it. The key thing is find a way. When I would walk in and look at that room of 40 faces, all looking at me. Now, about so many are, a certain number are already made it. A certain number have a really good chance. There's a certain number that have no chance. But then there's that group that are right on the edge. How are they going to do it? And you have to find a way to make them learn. You know, one of the most storied professors at many universities can be a top professor on campus. And in his class, and he might fail 40%. In our business, you fail 40%, you're going home tomorrow. These students have to become A students. And you better figure out a way to make it happen. Sometimes it takes more than others. Sometimes you may have to draw it. You have to help them. You have to bring them in for extra credit. Like Ben Kotwika, when he was with me, uh, he would have a little extra quarter class every Wednesday and Thursday night, sometimes even on Friday. And the guys would come in and they'd, they'd sit in there with him and he'd go over and film with them. A lot of times what he did is he would level off what I had thrown, what I had thrown very complex problems at them. He would help them kind of digest it and, and, and smooth it out. And, uh, and it really worked. It worked for us. And so it's just a matter of, of figuring out how to do it. If you listen to what some of the guys said in the book, Zach Thomas, Larry Izzo, of how, you know, it didn't matter what role they have, whether it was a small role like Zach Thomas, or it was a real large role on special teams for Larry Izzo. A job worth having is a job worth doing well. And the one thing you as a coach have to always be prepared for, and I learned this very accidentally from Bear Bryant. And I, I won't describe the whole thing. I'm going to make you buy the book to, to get that. But very accidentally, I, I'm with him in Tuscaloosa, and we're actually walking into campus. And he gets tired, and he asks if he's getting, he's getting old at this time. And, you know, he, he didn't live too, too much longer. And he was just such a gentleman. But anyway, we sat down on a curb to take a rest. It was a hot summer July. And he's sitting there, and he's wiping his brow. And he said, you know, Coach, I'm going to give you two pieces of advice. And he said, don't be afraid to change. 
He said, there's some things I should have changed on earlier than I did. He said, don't be afraid to change. The one thing we as coaches, sometimes we love what we're doing so much that that's the only thing we're looking at. And we're not looking at who's doing it and how it's being done. We're only looking at what it is. That's not the way to do it. Don't be afraid to change. I use that as a mantra for my entire career. I would change in a minute. I would check. If I saw something I liked, someone else was doing better, I'd change it. It might just be a wrinkle. It might be one guy. But don't be afraid to do that. Have that flexibility in every single thing that you do that you're not afraid to change. That was so very important for me. In the coaching profession, being efficient with language is such an important part of teaching and being able to do things efficiently while getting our players to perform to their maximum potential and learn along the way. And in this segment, the special teams coordinator for the Montreal Alouettes, Jeff Reinbold, explains how to use language efficiently to get the most out of your coaching time. Then I meet this guy named Greg Newhouse, and Greg was um, later became the head, uh, excuse me, the uh, defense coordinator of Why he was defense coordinator in New Mexico. He coached in the pros for a number of years, was at Oregon State, all, all over the place. And he was a DB coach, and I was, I was a DB as a player, and then so started my coaching career that way. And he was so freaking good at the fundamentals. And he used to say, you know what your job is? And Greg was like out there, like way out there, right? And he, he would say, you know what your job is? I said, no, Greg, what is it? He goes, to make, to, to make your players more efficient movers. Now that is like, and, and this is like back in the 80s, right? Late 80s. And I go, make them more efficient movers. He goes, yeah, learn the game, break the game down. I mean, that's the way he'd approach it. He goes, you, you, you have a responsibility to your players to learn the game. You know, you, you know what cover three is, but you got to help that kid move. You got to help that kid become a better player. How does he get from there to there? Where does he put his eyes? That's the way Greg talked. He was that rapid fire and so into and i thought to myself wow and then i meet frank gans later on in my career and it reaffirms everything i'd ever thought because here's a guy that talks about six inch rising blow you know uh, uh inside gap and depth vertical set uh, you know two-step redirect i mean all he frank has the game like condensed into this this language like this incredible language which is, again, one of the things that I think great coaches have is I, I know, I know this for a fact. You can come to my special teams meeting and you could go to Tom Gahey's special teams meeting with the New York Giants. And if you don't know anything else, but you know, or you, a kid from the Giants could come to us and they know exactly what we're saying because it's the same language. It's the language that Frank taught us, right? And it's small it's not soliloquies. It's not, it's very short, very concise, very descriptive terms. Right. And so I almost had to learn how to speak in this business. Right. Yeah. Because what most coaches are going to do is you're going to be, you're going to talk way too much and the athletes are going to stand there, especially on the field where it has to go fast. You have to be able to, you have to have a, like a thing. What is, get one word. If one word can do it, why say seven? Because he's going to tune you out at three, right? And so all of those things were parts of that whole growth process. Seeing things on the board, seeing them in video, telling players how to do certain things, 
is part of the process, but more than anything, they need to feel it. Coach Eddie Morrissey, the offensive line coach for Marshall, shares how he gets his players to feel their technique in this segment. There's a bunch of different ways to learn the game, and guys learn differently. Some guys are going to learn by you putting it in a playbook, you putting it in some notes, and can learn that way. Some guys can learn it just by watching it on the video. But I think ultimately, the guys, whether you learn it on the board or you learn it through the video, you then have to go through and you already hit on it with the individual and the fundamentals, right? So how do you do that? You got to feel it. So what does that mean? All right, let's say we're working just nothing really crazy, but um, a typical combo, let's say a backside combo. Okay, how are you doing this? All right, here are my steps. Great. Maybe those steps aren't great for one guy, but they're great for the other. So have a couple different ways to do it. But get them in so they can fit in. They can feel it. It doesn't even have to be on the field. It can be right in your meeting room. To me, the meeting room is, okay, here's the playbook page. Here's, you know, the diagram. All right. Um, I do some stuff on the board, to be honest. But now with technology, you know, I'm sitting here right now, and I have a play pulled up in front of me. And I'm using my, uh, my mouse as a telestrator. To me, it's so much faster. Like if I'm on the board, I got to draw up the formation. I got to draw up the defense. And then I drop the blocking scheme. Good. I erase it. Now I got to put it back up. Or you have that, you know, picture on the board. To me, I'm just so much faster with the, the telestrator. So let's go through the playbook page. Let's watch it on the video. Great. Everybody got it. Awesome. All right. Now let's turn the, the old line room into a lab. What's that mean? All right, so you've seen it. We've talked about it. Now let's get up so we can go through. And I just want you to fit in. I show you how to do it and then different ways to do it. Meaning one guy may get into a double team a certain way. Another guy may get into it a different way. Another guy may have an idea. And I, it, at, at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter as long as the block or the technique is executed. But it's like you already hit on so many guys are great on the board. I've sat with some guys that are great on the board. And then I watched their practice. And I'm like, wow, well, that practice was terrible. There was no fundamentals. I don't think they're a great teacher. And you may know everything. But how do you get that across to your guys? How do you get them to perform at a high level? And it all comes back to being confident. They may know it mentally. Now they got to know it physically. And things change. So I just gave you the example of a double team. All right, that's double team against a stationary guy. Now let's say when he moves or he goes that way or he's not there and another guy's that you know what I mean? So you gotta have that like it's gotta be fast, it's gotta be ingrained, it's gotta be second nature. In order to do that, you have to be able to see it and then you have to be able to not just walk through it, you gotta feel it. Every technique, whether it's a backside combo, whatever that is, that was just one example. It can be a pole, it can be a base block, it can be a pass set. All those things are great. you got to feel it. Just like in any academic class, it's important to make sure your players understand things. And Matt Guerreri, who now is an analyst for the Ohio State Buckeyes, talks about how he ends his meetings in checking for understanding of his players and how that impacts their learning. Okay, so they've gone through the entire meeting. Right, and again, we're still in our culture meeting. And then we're about to ask our guys questions. So in order to leave the room, they have to answer a series of questions. Okay. Now, if I asked a question to an entire room and I said, Keith, how many minutes of hell does our defense play? Only Keith would probably be 
thinking of the answer because I've called him out, right? Everybody else is saying, whew, okay, I don't have to answer the question in front of my peers, right? We flip that order, okay? So, and many of you guys may already do this, but I think this is critical, okay? And they can use their notes, okay? And the whole point of these questions, so they're taking notes, right? So then they can look at them and go back and review. We would say, how many minutes of hell does our defense play? Just like this. So the question goes first to everybody in the room. So everybody has thought of it. And then, as you saw, as it came up, right? Boom, here's the picture of the player or you're calling on the player. He then is standing up and he has to communicate and articulate in front of his peers. I think that is critically important to do that. You see how your guys re re uh, respond to pressure in those situations. And then you also get to know what your guys know in that moment, right? So Christian Hood would say 60 minutes, okay? If his answer is correct, I'll say give him one. Everybody in the room will clap one time or give him two. And they would clap two times there. If he is incorrect, I will call on somebody else. He will sit down, right? The other person would stand up. They would answer the question. If they are correct, then they would sit down and Christian would stand up and he would repeat the correct answer, right? So at the end of the day, he has to make sure he was called on and he's going to make sure he articulates the correct answer, even if he's just repeating what someone else said, right? So here's another example, right? Name two focus points for this spring. Right, so two things that we're going to focus on this spring. Okay, and this is Brandon Hill, who's one of our senior linebackers, and Brandon may say uh, the 55 and discipline and conditioning. Right, give him one, bam, and then he would sit down. Name two winning edges. So again, the question comes up first, right, and then so everybody can think of it, and then we're calling on whoever it is. Here's Ahmad Craig, one of our freshman defensive ends, will be a rising redshirt freshman for us, and then he's responding. He may he may be saying junction points, and the whole room goes, got to win them right? Uh, smart swarm, meet me at the ball, right? Give him one and he would sit down. What's the expectation for getting on and off the field, right? So here's a, a mid-year freshman for us, Aeneas Peebles, who's a defensive tackle, right? So then day one, page one, he's responding and hey, we're running on and off the field. So I know that those guys all know what the expectations are. And this may just be, right, the focus points or whatever you want to make sure as a coordinator or position coach is getting through to your guys, right? You can't emphasize everything, but whatever you want to emphasize, you can. And again, once this happens, then your guys are saying, oh man, I'm about to be quizzed immediately on this stuff. So what happens, right? They're writing notes like crazy in meetings, okay? So if you check their notebooks before you would do this compared to after, there's a drastic difference for us. So that's, that's what we've learned, you know, from some of our, our teaching stuff that we've studied. Learning of football can also include a written test. And I think this short segment from longtime New England Patriots coach Dante Scarnecchia really pulls things together. He gives them a written test, but he allows them to work collaboratively on this test. And in doing so, they start to work on their communication as well as showing what they know and what's been taught in that classroom that particular day. I think written tests are great teaching aids to see what a player knows. Okay. And I, and I give a lot of written tests to them, especially in the spring and especially during training camp. And a lot of times I'll make uh, I'll give them all the tests and I'll say, hey, look, it, you guys got 20 minutes to get this done. Okay, I want them all done in 20 minutes, but it can be collaborative. That is to say, you can talk about each question amongst yourselves. What greater way to get guys to communicate how to get things done? And believe me, your best players will be the ones that will be, that will take over the room at that point. Well, your best players are guys that are going to be playing. And a lot of times they're going to be carrying guys that aren't as good mentally along with them. So, you know, it gives them a forum to open up on themselves and keep everybody on the same page, same page uh, relative to the system that you're trying to teach. The other thing I would say is, 
the test questions can be asked in either words or diagrams. To me, they're both perfect, okay? So, you know, if it's a two-word answer, great, you know, two blank spaces. Or if it's a diagram, show me the blocking for this, you know, 64 protection, three-by-one formation against this blitz, okay? And then, most importantly, it's a great word, a great way, there are great ways to get people to understand your call systems. But you have to call every block for this run, okay? And if it's not a collaborative test, that means that your center's got to know what the guard tackle call is, or the right tackle's got to know what the backside call is, on and on and on. But the more you put all those things down, the more you learn them and the better you ingrain everybody into your system and way of doing things. There you have it. Insight from 10 coaches on coaching is teaching. It's such an important part of our game. I hope you took away some things from this. There are plenty of these things throughout the podcast. We talk about this all the time, but these were 10 of the ideas that really stuck out to me. I appreciate all the coaches who join us on the podcast and share their insight and make us better in this game. Make sure to follow all we're doing at coachandcoordinator.com and follow me on Twitter at Coach K. Rabowski.